mission to investigate the Capitol riots. But Mitch McConnell dealing a major blow. New York's Attorney General announcing her office is pursuing a criminal investigation into the Trump Organization. The former president coming out swinging. The deadly arrest of a black man after a high-speed chase. The disturbing body cam authorities refused to release for two years. President Biden turning up the pressure on Israel to significantly de-escalate the violence with Hamas. The defiant response from Israel's prime minister. Our journey across America to Cleveland. Schools hit hard by the pandemic. How they plan to make up for lost ground. And our exclusive inside the Purell factory here in Ohio. How it's keeping up with a huge demand. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Across America, reporting tonight from Cleveland. Good evening from East 4th Street in Cleveland as we continue our cross-country look at America's recovery. And here that includes making sure school kids can make up for lost time. I'm going to tell you more about that in a few minutes. But we start tonight with a major milestone of the pandemic. New York City, where a year ago temporary morgues idled on the streets and emergency rooms overflowed, reopened today with most capacity restrictions dropped and its mask mandate lifted. It happens as the country slowly comes to accept vaccinations are allowing us to turn the corner. Over 159 million Americans now at least partially vaccinated. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez has the latest. Tonight, the one-time COVID epicenter is breathing a little easier. It's really nice to be walking around on a beautiful day with no mask. It's awesome. Things got it. going back to normal. New York officially lifting its mask and social distancing mandates for fully vaccinated people. Many large events, including Broadway and the New York City Marathon, are roaring back later this year. The bottom line is if you're vaccinated, you have more freedom. But it's not a full return to normal. New Yorkers still need to wear a mask on public transit, nursing homes, and schools. You're not ready to go inside without a mask. Why not? Uh, because I don't know who has and who hasn't been vaccinated. Also scrapping most capacity limits today, nearby Connecticut and New Jersey. Though that state is keeping its indoor mask mandate for now. Some businesses are also wondering how to check for proof of vaccination. People are on the honor system, and uh, when you're on the honor system, you're not necessarily honest. We first met Pete Daphnos 14 months ago. Is it sustainable to just fulfill takeout and delivery orders? No. As his Westway Diner in Manhattan was switching to takeout orders, it eventually shut down. Now, New York City largely reopening. Did you think this day would come? No. I didn't think it was going to happen this fast, but I'm glad it did. Still, despite a busier Times Square here, the pandemic's not over. Today, India reported more COVID deaths in one day than any other country since this all began, Lester. Gabe Gutierrez, thank you. We want to warn you now, this next story is hard to watch, but difficult to ignore. Body cam video showing the deadly police encounter two years ago in Louisiana with a suspect after a high-speed chase. Miguel Almaguer has more. In video obtained, released, and edited by the Associated Press, the brutal and violent arrest and subsequent death of Ronald Green is captured on body cam. After a dangerous high-speed pursuit, Louisiana state troopers pulled the 49-year-old black man from his vehicle. Taser, taser, taser. Green is seen being tased multiple times, but much of what happened is off camera. 
During the graphic and disturbing video, Green is also repeatedly punched, put in a chokehold, and dragged face down through the dirt. His family says after Green was shackled, he was left for nine minutes without aid, as officers used hand sanitizer to clean their bloodied hands. This guy ain't got AIDS. This video is probably one of the most disturbing videos that I've seen of police brutality. It invokes the image of what you might imagine slave catchers look when when hunting down a, a runaway slave green's family says louisiana state troopers tried to cover up the 2019 beating outside monroe first telling them he died in an impact from the crash with a civil rights investigation underway the lsp says their investigation remains under review by federal and state authorities you think your son was murdered oh yes they beat him with the purpose of letting him just die Two years after Green's death, his family says they want justice, while some of the troopers involved remain on the job. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Breaking tonight, the House voting on a bill to establish a 9-11-style commission to investigate the deadly Capitol riot. Our Garrett Haig is on the Hill tonight. Garrett, what's the latest? Lester, the House just voted to create a 9-11-style commission to study the events of January 6th here at the Capitol. 35 Republicans joined all Democrats in voting for this. A significant break with Republican leadership, including Kevin McCarthy and former President Trump, who opposed the commission. But it now faces an uncertain future in the Senate, where Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said today he opposes the commission as well. That vote could come up as early as next week. Lester? All right. Garrett Haig, thank you. Former President Trump is lashing out at New York's Attorney General after she announced a criminal investigation of the Trump Organization. With more on that, here's Kristen Welker. Tonight, new legal trouble for former President Trump. New York Attorney General Letitia James announcing we are now actively investigating the Trump Organization in a criminal capacity, along with the Manhattan DA. The original investigation was sparked by Mr. Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, who claimed Mr. Trump deliberately provided incorrect valuations of assets in official documents. Tonight, the former president slamming the investigation by the Democratic Attorney General as a partisan vendetta, saying there is nothing more corrupt than an investigation that is in desperate search of a crime. That is exactly what is happening here. Tonight, Mr. Trump's allies sending videos of James, making anti-Trump statements during her 2018 campaign. Will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. He's going to know my name personally. But this from a former Trump Organization employee turned critic. He both felt that, they, um, that the laws were not for him, and he also felt that people that actually followed him had no creative uh, insight. As for those campaign videos with James, her office had no comment. Lester. and Welker tonight at the White House. Thank you. In just 60 seconds, how schools plan to make up for so much lost ground here in Cleveland and beyond. There's no sign that Israel will follow President Biden's new call for a ceasefire with Hamas militants as the violence there continues. Richard Engel is there for us. For now, it's still the bombs doing the talking as Israel continues its assault on the Gaza Strip to stop Hamas rocket fire. 
But are these the last licks? The White House says President Biden spoke with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and told him he expected a significant de-escalation today on the path to a ceasefire. But instead, after the call, Netanyahu said military operations would keep going to restore security to Israelis and saying of Hamas... We are engaged right now in forceful deterrence. But Hamas hasn't stopped firing rockets. So in southern Israel, they've had to move all the patients at this hospital underground. The entire emergency ward here is built like a bunker. To enter it, you have to pass through this giant metal door, which can seal off the entire area. They've treated those wounded from rockets here, plus the normal workload, deep under reinforced concrete. It's very crowded. As you can see, it's very loud. But uh, this is the best way that we can treat our patients. But in Gaza, clinics are damaged. Many residents have no power and running water. Still, many Palestinians see what's happening as a costly but necessary way to raise their voices against Israeli restrictions on where they can live, work, and pray. I'm hoping to live in a peace in our land. Both sides can already claim victory. Israel saying it set back Hamas years. Hamas saying it raised the Palestinian issue to the world's attention. The cost has been hundreds of dead and injured. Lester. Also painful to watch. All right, Richard Engel, thank you. And back here at home now and the pandemic recovery. Cleveland, an important stop in our Cross America journey. COVID left school kids here disadvantaged in so many ways. But I want to tell you now about a major effort underway to make up for some of that lost time. At the Orchard School in Cleveland, Principal Catherine Hanlon is happy to finally have students back in person. There are just things that happen when you're face-to-face -face with a teacher that cares about you. But she sees the learning loss that comes from more than a year of trying to teach kids remotely. And I think particularly our youngest children really struggled. The pandemic hit Cleveland schools hard. The district serves more than 34,000 students, many from disadvantaged neighborhoods highest child poverty rate in the nation and one of the worst wired cities in the country a lot of kids simply simply didn't have the computers or wi-fi no devices no wi-fi other than maybe their cell phone we had teachers literally teaching on um, facebook and instagram to stay in touch with their kids over that summer we deployed 37,000 devices thousands and thousands of hotspots and then our teachers and our kids had to learn how to use all this technology and we would say you know put the at symbol in they didn't know what that was. Cleveland School CEO Eric Gordon hopes to give students what was taken from them. We didn't lose the ability to learn. Our kids can still learn to read. They can still learn chemistry. They lost time. To make up that lost time, Cleveland is looking to summer. And they're not alone. More than 47% of urban school districts are planning enhanced summer learning plans this year. Since they can't legally require all kids to attend summer classes. After a challenging year, Cleveland kids and families deserve something great. Cleveland has launched an unprecedented ad campaign, even including roadside billboards, all part of a nearly $20 million plan for what they call the summer learning experience, part school, part camp. We're just flipping the total traditional classroom up on its head. Reinventing summer learning and making kids want to be there. Classes like Mars Rover Challenge, coding, art classes, even journalism. I notice you're not using the term summer school. 
No, we are not going to summer school. There's a stigma associated with summer school, that, that term? There's a huge stigma, particularly in urban communities, that summer school is for the kids that are behind. This is supposed to be something that's fun and exciting and enthusiastic for everyone to learn from. At Cleveland schools are partnering with community groups to create experiences outside the classroom. Like the Cleveland Playhouse, where students have theater and music classes taught by Playhouse staff. What's the thing you're looking forward to most in the summer program? Science. Science, really? What do you want to be? I want to be a scientist. Art teacher David Hoyden hopes this summer will help him reconnect with students on a more personal level. I think it'll make a big difference. The more we can have contact time with the kids, the more that we can teach and the more that they can learn. How narrow a window do you have to really get kids back engaged and back where we would want them to be? It would be a mistake for us to think that we are going to take a year of the most severe disruption in all of our lives and fix that in a summer or even in a year. But, um, you know, if we stay really uh, aggressive about creating the right opportunities, we will get kids where they need to be. Focus on the kids here in Cleveland. And across America, one in five children are living with a mental health challenge. Cynthia McFadden tells us about a hospital here in Ohio that's offering hope. This is the first time cameras have ever been allowed inside this psychiatric crisis department in Columbus, Ohio. Sometimes overwhelming for even the most seasoned psychiatrists. Right now is a uh, particularly hard time, um, particularly because of the pandemic. Apologize. Um, and because of what our patients are going through. Dr. Charles Law is co-director of this state-of-the-art department, open 24 hours a day, seeing any child in crisis, whether they can pay or not. The past year has brought a stunning increase in the proportion of mental health visits to the ER, up 31% nationally for those 12 to 17, and a stunning 24% for kids 5 to 11. We're able to keep them overnight. The first time we visited, he was working on little sleep, deciding whether to admit a child over parental objection. You decided not to admit the child? Uh, no, they, that, that kid ended up staying, yes. With the parent's consent? Correct. So you can be a pretty good crazy guy. Uh, when we, when we need to be. There is an acute need for more places like this. Only 10% of all hospitals offer psychiatric services for kids. An NBC News analysis shows only about 7% offer inpatient care. This kids-only psychiatric crisis unit is in many ways singular. Instead of being held in hallways on stretchers for days, here kids can stay for up to a week while the staff evaluates what the next step should be. But with often unstable kids, trouble sometimes erupts. Just beyond these doors, four patients have become aggressive, and two of them are making threats. A code violet is called. Staff from other floors rush to assist. First off, did anyone actually get sick? A half hour later, we're invited into the staff debrief. The answer, no. No one was injured. I think we did a good job allowing the patients to show that they were willing to de-escalate themselves. We provided that best outcome for these kids. No one had to go hands-on with yes. them. Are there magic words to de-escalate? I think for me, a lot of times it's silence. Patients, I want to hear what they have going on. I want to know why they're mad. We have a lot of training in that, and then every couple months we're retrained. If talk alone doesn't work, this room, empty and padded, 
is available. This is one of our seclusion rooms. How often would you say you have to use this? Uh, we, we use these rooms probably more frequently with the door open. Um, and we use them because it enables children to not have a lot of stimulus around them. Sometimes that can help de-escalate the situation. As one of only 8,300 child psychiatrists in the country, Dr. Blaw tells us he often works more than 60 hours a week. But despite it all, he sees a better day coming. Stigma, is it getting any better? Yes, I think it is. Actually, I really do think it is. This generation seems to have a different attitude. I, I think so, too. I'm actually very hopeful for the future. Cynthia McFadden, NBC News, Columbus, Ohio. Here in Cleveland, I got to spend some time exploring a vibrant and expanding art scene that grew out of the city's streets. And then if you back up a little bit, my graffiti lesson today, yeah, nice haze, is courtesy of Bob Peck. Yeah, make sure that's pointing out right to you. <laughs> Born and raised in Cleveland, he's been tagging since he was a teenager. I was, you know, hiding in the shadows and painting where I wasn't supposed to be. But now his art is in the spotlight, thanks to the Graffiti Heart Organization. And does this feel like it legitimizes what you do? Yeah, I think so. I think when you get to actually meet the artist and interact with them and talk to them about their process, uh, it just brings a new dimension to the art form itself. Even graffiti artists need an HR person. Stami Paul started the volunteer organization, which secures walls, permits, and provides scholarships. A win for artists and Cleveland. It brings community together because it draws people for the positive reasons, for the good reasons, and the neighborhood kind of looks out for those pieces once they're up and installed. Their latest installation is the vision of artist Dina Alea, who hopes her art speaks to residents. You feel like you're brightening Cleveland? Oh, absolutely. I think not only just brightening neighborhoods, but also allowing people a forum, a place where they can have conversation, or just really making people proud of their community. Lots of color on the walls here. That's nightly news for this Wednesday in Cleveland. We'll see you tomorrow in Seattle.